listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm dealing today with... um, Six things that keep prayers unanswered. Why do people's prayers remain unanswered? I'm going to give you six things. Now, I know this sounds like <laughs> this sounds like super uh, clickbaity and websitey, but I'm going to tell you, stick around to the end <laughs> because, in all reality, I have one of these that nobody ever talks about, and I do mean nobody. I've been in church for 41 years. Started going to church at two weeks old. Um, and now I'm going to be 41 this year. I've been in church many, many times uh, a week for my entire life. And I've heard a lot of messages. I've heard a lot of things preached and taught on prayer. And literally nobody talks about this one thing uh, from Scripture that keeps prayer unanswered for people. And so uh, number six today uh, is surprising to a lot of people. But I'm going to show it to you in the Word of God. Um, Jennifer said, Tony recently accidentally purchased a hot tub because of my add to cart. (laughs) If you just leave things sitting in the cart, they're going to get purchased. Okay? They're going to get purchased. Bottom line. Um, So thanks for sharing the broadcast. Love you, Tony and Jennifer. Um, And I'll give you these six. We'll give you scriptures for them. But first of all, I, I want you to understand this. Number one, <clears throat> this is not point number one. I just want you to stand this first. Morning, Erica. The Lord wants to answer your prayers. I feel like a lot of times we, we get this mindset like we have to convince God to answer our prayers. You don't have to convince God to answer your prayers. He already wants to answer them. He already wants to answer them. He loves you. He's not trying to keep blessings away from you. He's trying to get blessings to you. He's not trying to keep his goodness separated from your life. He's trying to pour it out on your life. So if you're taking notes or if you're writing in the comments, please put that in to to be the foundational thought today. God wants to answer my prayers. You don't have to convince him. He wants to. Do you know God wants to answer your prayer more than you want your prayer to be answered. And you know how I know that's true? Because God so badly wants to answer prayer, but many Christians don't even spend any time in prayer. So that shows you how much some people want God to to interact with them, to answer them. They don't even talk to him. And God wants to answer our prayers even more than we want our prayers answered. Powerful thought. So if you grew up with this mindset that you have to convince God somehow to answer your prayers, that is not biblical. That's not scriptural. You do not have to convince him like he's up in heaven, angry at you. He's like, well, if you really want your prayer, you, you let me know. Why should I answer your prayer? No, no, absolutely not. He's waiting for you to request. He's waiting for you to ask. You know, it's like my children. You know, they don't have to give me 21 reasons as to why I should love and take care of them and, and get them things when they ask me. 
you know, when they, when they write their Christmas list, and I'll sit there and say, all right, now, for uh, here's item number one on your Christmas list. Now, give me 20 reasons why you need this item. All right, this item number two. Now, convince me. I don't do that. I would get them those things just to simply see them smile. And I'm, I'm an earthly, natural father. And I would do it just to see them smile. Daddy does that. Just to see you smile. That's it. That's it. And you think that God wouldn't do more than an earthly father would? Of course he would. And Jesus made that point in the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. You earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your heavenly father know how to give good gifts to those that ask him? Much more. Much more. And so don't, don't try to convince him. He already wants to answer your prayers. So, but the thing is, God does have a scriptural system that we have to abide by in order to see our prayers answered. That's why I want to share these six things with you today, because they can be like a checklist for you to ensure that uh, you're right on track with what the Bible teaches in order to receive that answered prayer. Um, Number one, and I'll just say this first because it applies uh, to unbelievers and believers, but according to scripture, one of the things that keeps people from having their prayers answered is sin. Now, if you're watching me today and somehow you came across this broadcast or you clicked on it because somebody that you know shared it on social media and you're not serving the Lord, um, understand this. The only prayer that uh, God answers from someone who's not his child is the prayer of repentance, right? The prayer to receive salvation. But God's not out there answering the prayers of those who don't serve him. He's not answering the prayers of those who are not in covenant with him. No. Those things keep your prayers from being answered. Sin keeps your prayer from being answered. Listen to what David said, Psalm 66. Let me, let me read this. I'll read Psalm 66, verses 16 through 18. Come and hear, all you who fear God, and I will tell you what he's done for my soul. I cried to him with my mouth, and high praise was on my tongue. But if I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. You see that? If I had cherished iniquity in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. Now, let's compare that to 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 12. 1 Peter 3.12. What does the Bible say there? And this is actually a very encouraging scripture for those of us that are serving the Lord. 1 Peter 3.12 says this. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Somebody say, that's me. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer. Amen. So you never have to wonder. I've had people ask me, I don't even know if God hears me when I pray. He hears you. The Bible says so. His eyes are not only on you. His ears are open to your prayers. He hears the righteous when they pray. Amen. That's why the book of James says the prayers of a righteous person make much power available. 
the prayers of a righteous person make much power available. So look at this now. The Bible says his ears are open to their prayers, but go further. But his face, the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So there it is. His face is against those who do evil. But for the righteous, his eyes are upon them and his ears are open to their prayers. AJ put in the comments, Isaiah 59 two. but your iniquities have separated between you and your God and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Very good scripture. Very good verse of scripture. It's saying the same thing. You can see through the prophet Isaiah, your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. Amen. Amen. Now, obviously there is a difference between Old and New Testament, Old and New Covenant. That, uh, you know, because I know there's people on here at every maturity level in the body of Christ. We have baby Christians, we have mature Christians. But, you know, every time you commit a sin, you don't lose your salvation and have to get saved all over again. You know, now that I'm pastoring, and I've seen this even be traveling for, for you know, 20 years um, and seeing people uh, in churches, I'll be in a revival, have a person get saved on Sunday morning, and then they get saved again Sunday night and Monday night and Tuesday night. And then you have to eventually teach people, listen, if you got saved, you don't have to keep getting saved again every single Sunday. You don't have to keep getting saved again every single service. You're saved. If you've made mistakes, if you've committed sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I know there's people that think, you know, oh man, I did this this week. I did this, man. I'm not, I'm not saved anymore. No, you don't lose your salvation because you made a mistake, but you may lose your fellowship. You need to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Forgive me. He's faithful to forgive you. He's faithful to forgive you. Amen. And so don't think that just because you made a mistake, you know, there's people that hold on to stuff because the devil loves to remind you. So, you know, they'll hold on to stuff for years. You know, I did this back then. I should have. Well, didn't you ask for forgiveness? Yes. God forgot it. God forgot it. Don't remember what God's already forgotten. And there's people that they'll hold on to that stuff for 20 years. Well, back at, you know, back in, in, in 2001, I had this issue where it's like, yeah, but didn't you? Yes. Well, then forget it. There's not something that you did in 2001 that you asked for forgiveness for that's keeping your prayers held back in 2023. Doesn't work that way. God is a merciful God. God is a gracious, loving God. Yes, he's against sin, but he is merciful, he's gracious, and just. He's not only just, he's also gracious and merciful and loving, the Bible says. His loving kindness, his mercies are new every morning, his faithfulness is great. Amen. So don't let, and I'll deal with that in this list as well, but don't let the devil lie you out of what God said was yours. So number one is sin sinfulness or sin, living in sin as a a sinner, keeps your prayers from being answered. All right, let's go to number two. Number two, put it in your notes, unfocused requests. It's number two, unfocused requests. This is point number two, that keep prayers unanswered. Unfocused prayer requests. See, what do you mean by that? When we pray to God, 
Our prayers need to be specific. Why? Because faith is specific. Faith is specific. Faith is not general. It's specific. Again, if our requests are unfocused, then, you know, how do we even apply God's word to our prayers? How do we even apply God's word to our prayers if they're not focused requests? That's why I don't receive any unspoken prayer requests from anyone. You know, that's something people grew up with in the church. You know, Sister Sharon has an unspoken prayer request. Let's lift her up today. How do I lift her up today? It's an unfocused, unspoken prayer request. What scriptures do I stand on when I'm praying for Sister Sharon's unspoken request? I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to ask the Lord to do. Maybe it's healing. Maybe it's deliverance. Maybe it's salvation for a loved one. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, I want you to go there. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. I want you to read, or listen to me, read this. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, get this, let your requests be made known unto God. Your requests have to be made known. God wants you to use the word and say, what is it you're believing me for? Show me. What is it? What are you standing on? What have I said that you believe that you're now making a request to me based on what I've said, what I've promised? Be specific. Be specific. And uh, I remember reading, this, this really stuck out to me because I remember reading, I've recommended it to you, the book Prayer That Brings Revival um, and also The Fourth Dimension by Dr. Paul Youngie Cho. It might be printed under David Youngie Cho. Um, and he was writing about how his prayers needed to be more focused than they were. As a young pastor in Korea, he began to ask the Lord for some blessings. And so he, he was looking around. He was in a barren office, a bare office, nothing, just, just a room. And he said, Lord, I want you to get me a chair and a desk. That's what he was believing for, a chair and a desk. And he said, I also have to do a lot of visitations as a pastor, and I'm walking every there, everywhere. Could you also, I want a bicycle. You know, back then, you know, people didn't even have cars. He was saying, you know, if you had a car, you were somebody. But he said, at least get me, Lord, I want a bicycle. And he kept on praying that way. Lord, I want a desk. Lord, I want a chair. Lord, I want a bicycle. And um, he said, he prayed that way for a while. And his answer was not coming. This is Dr. Cho. He said his answers, answers were not coming. And then the Lord dealt with him specifically. And he was teaching him a lesson. He said, your, your prayers aren't specific enough. Your prayers are not specific enough. He said, what kind of desk do you want? What kind of chair do you want? What kind of bicycle do you want? See what he was doing? He was teaching Dr. Cho 
to be specific with his prayers. Cameron said, Lester Summerall used to say, we need to have precise rifle prayers and not shotgun unprecedented prayers. Meaning, if you shoot a shotgun and that bird shot spreads, it becomes wide and unfocused. Whereas a rifle shoots a very accurate bullet at a very accurate, precise target. And when you're firing that rifle, you have a, a very precise thing you're shooting for. You shoot a shotgun and it spreads, you hit everything in the vicinity. And so what he's speaking about, what Dr. Sumrall was speaking about, was exactly what Dr. Cho was being taught by the Lord, which is be specific about what you're asking me. And so he, he said to him, he said, listen, what kind of desk, what kind of chair, what kind of bike? So he got specific. And Dr. Cho said, I want a mahogany desk. That was his first question. I want a mahogany desk. Number two, and this was, I'm using his words. I'm using Dr. Cho's words. He said, I want a, a chair with wheels on the bottom of the legs so that I can roll around my office like a big shot. That's what he said in his book. I want a chair with wheels on the bottom of the legs so I can roll around my office like a big shot. And then he said, and for the bicycle, Lord, I want an American-made bicycle. And he says in his uh, book that uh, back then, it was his understanding that an American-made bicycle was the best bicycle that you could get. And so being, even being in Korea, he said, Lord, I want an American-made bicycle. And so he began to confess that it was done. He prayed for those things specifically like the Lord had convicted him to do. And then he just started to pray. And um, the little kids, he'd say it so often that even the little kids in the neighborhood would say, he'd, he'd say, I have a mahogany desk. I have a chair with wheels. I have an American-made bicycle. Well, that was like big news, you know? And so the, even the kids of the neighborhood would come and they would uh, ask him, where's the desk? Where's the chair? Where's the bicycle? And he'd point to his belly and he'd say, in here, I'm pregnant with them. They'd sit and they'd, they'd look at him and laugh. And they'd come and he said they'd come and rub his belly. Pastor Cho is pregnant with a desk, a chair, and a bicycle. What he was saying was, it's in my faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. Not yet seen. So he said, I'm pregnant with those things. He's saying it, my faith, my faith is on them. They're in the unseen realm, but they're going to be birthed by faith. They're going to be birthed by faith. And he said the little kids of the neighborhood would come and laugh and rub his belly when he would come out the door, trying to feel around, you know, the little kids feeling around. Well, a missionary got a hold of him and said, Dr. Cho, one of these ships came in from the United States. And he said, there's a, a, a crate on the ship with some things that I think you could use. And he said, okay, what's on the crate? He said, well, we've got here on the crate, I don't know if you need one, but we've got a mahogany desk that you could put in your office. He said, we've got a, a chair to go with the desk. And when he went to see it, it was a chair with the wheels on the bottom. And he said, also on the crate, he said, we've got one of these bicycles from America. The, I guess it had come from America, the, the ship. He said, we've got a bicycle here, made in America. Everything he prayed specifically for, God brought to him the mahogany desk the chair with the wheels, the American-made bicycle. And he taught uh, his people, and he taught in the book, that when you pray, your prayers need to be specific. Ask God for specifically what you want.
specifically what you want. If Do you want a job? Yeah, I, I want a job. Don't just pray, oh, Lord, give me a job. Are you happy with just any job? I mean, if you are, that's fine. God will just give you any job. But if you're looking for something specific, ask him specifically. Lord, I want this kind of job. I'm believing for this kind of pay. I'm believing for these kinds of benefits. I'm belie- I mean, speak it. Ask him. You know, there's... Listen, Mark chapter 11, it's hard for anybody, even those that don't believe like we believe, to get past how plain Jesus was in his teaching to the disciples. It's hard to get around this teaching for people that don't believe it. Mark chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, whatever, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, whoever says to this mountain, see specific speaking, specific speaking. You know, Brother Hagin used to believe this and he used to teach it like this. Watch this as we read this. Truly I say to, say to you, anyone who says to this mountain, be taken up, thrown into the sea, does, does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask, there it is, you're saying it again, in prayer. Believe that you receive it and you'll be yours. Three times it's, it talks about speaking, and one time it talks about believing. Three times it talks about speaking. Speaking is important. What you say, how you say it. We, the, the apostle said, we believe, therefore we speak, 2 Corinthians 4.13. We believe, therefore we speak. How we speak is important. What we ask for, the way we ask for it by faith. Faith is specific. You know, we don't do that in the natural realm. I don't understand why we don't. We do these things and nobody understands that the principle remains in the supernatural, but we don't even do these things this way in the natural realm. I don't go to a restaurant, sit down, they hand me a menu, and then I hand it back and say, no, just whatever you've got back there, bring it out to me. No, you're very specific. I want the eight ounce filet mignon and I want it cooked medium rare. These, I want it with grilled onions, and I would like to have roasted carrots, and I would like to have uh, potatoes, and I want a side salad to start. That's a specific request. And let me tell you, we don't go to a restaurant and say, just whatever you've got back there, just bring it out, I just receive whatever you have. No. I have a specific request, and, and we're so serious about it that, when, that even if everything else is right, get this, even if everything else is right, They've got the carrots, they've got the potatoes, they brought the side salad, but the steak comes out and it's well done, burnt to a crisp, and you had specifically asked for medium rare. Say, no, I didn't ask for well done. I mean, people do this. Could you please bring me one that's cooked the way that I requested? I don't eat steak well done, burnt to a crisp. I asked for medium rare. Now, I understand there's some people that won't send it back. I do, because I, I'll tell you why. I expect to receive what I say. I expect to receive what I say. That's a principle you can live by. 
I'll have whatsoever I say. I expect to receive what I say. Don't do it with a mean spirit. I'm not angry at the waitress. I'll just request it. I'm sorry, could you, could you bring me one? This one's, this one's very much overcooked. Could you please bring me one that's medium rare like I, like I requested? And you can be kind and you can be gracious and you can be generous and still leave a large tip. But I will have whatsoever I say. Amen, it's a principle. I didn't say medium well, I said medium rare. And we're very specific in the natural realm. How come we're not specific in the supernatural realm? Why do we treat prayer in a way that we wouldn't treat our natural life? Amen. You don't walk into a grocery store and give somebody else the cart and say, just whatever you think I should have in my refrigerator, just go around the the place and just put it in there and I'll pay for it at the end. No, you went to the grocery store to get very specific things. Go into a clothing shop to get very specific things. Hey, what, t- what size shoe would you like? Oh, just any size you think works for No, there's a specific size that works for you. Amen. Be specific. And so unfocused prayer requests, this is number two, keeps people's prayer from being answered. They were keeping Dr. Cho's prayer from being answered. They were keeping his until you make your requests known unto God. This is what I want, Lord. This is what I'm believing for. That's number two. Number three, the third issue that keeps people's prayers from being answered is this, praying for things that God never promised. That's number three, praying for what wasn't promised, praying for what wasn't promised. I'm not going to ask God for things that he never promised me. If it's not in the Bible, we've got no business asking for it. And I don't mean if the specific thing's not in the Bible. I mean if the principle's not in the Bible. You know, because there's a lot of things. You know, if you're believing for a car, there were no cars in the Bible. Amen. But God wants you to have transportation. God wants you to be blessed financially. God wants you to be blessed naturally. But then you start praying for things that aren't in the Bible. No. No, God's not going to answer those prayers. God's not going to answer those prayers. Jeremiah 1.12 Jeremiah wrote, then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. Jeremiah 1 and verse 12. I am watching over my word to perform it. Watching over my word to perform it. God's watching his word. He only honors his word. That's why I say, if there's not scripture, that's why even when we give you uh prayer points. They're based on verses of scripture. We base our prayers on verses of scripture. Amen. And so it's because God honors his word. Say, well, God honors faith. Yes. Faith is based on his word, right? Faith comes by what? Hearing the word. So the word that you receive brings faith in your heart. Faith is not just general. It's like, now I've got faith in God. How'd you get it? by hearing, preaching, and teaching from his word. God only honors faith in his word. And so if you've got people asking for stuff, I remember listening to Brother Hagin teach years ago when I was at his Bible school. I went to Rama Bible Training Center. He taught us a course for a semester on prayer. You talk about a man that could take a text and dig into that text for the entire semester, every day. Turn in your Bibles to John 15 and verse number seven. 
He'd quote it every day and teach from it every day of the semester, and it never got old. Deep, deep teaching. But he was talking about this principle one day in one of the churches he was pastoring. And he said, a man approached him in his church, and he said, Brother Hagin, would you agree with me in prayer? He said, sure, what are we praying about? He pointed at a woman over across the way. He said, would you believe with me that she'd be my wife? I'm believing for a wife and I believe that she would be my wife. Would you pray and believe? He said, I had a problem with the man's prayer request because the woman already had a husband and the man that was asking for prayer already had a wife. He said, God's God's not gonna break up two marriages to form another one. He said, so you can request that all you want, but that kind of prayer will never be answered because there's nothing in the Bible that you could ever stand on. The Bible says what God's joined together, let no man put asunder or tear apart. And so you'd actually be praying against the word of God for that to come to pass. I'm not praying that, not praying for that. People pray for things that are not in the Bible. You got no business praying that. It's not in the Bible. I was at a conference one time. I mean, it's, it's surprising how foolish even some preachers are. And I was not speaking for that session. That's why I don't really like doing those, those types of things. Unless I'm with people of my own company that I know all carry the spirit of faith. Otherwise, it's a hodgepodge of nonsense. Um, so this guy, let me answer this question first. Hunter said, question, if Philippians 4 in Philippians 4, it says, make your request known through prayer and supplication. So if I prayed for a car or something, wouldn't I be making my request known? Yes. Yes, you are making a request known. But make your request, well, the point I'm making is make your request known and make your request specific. Make your request specific. Because here's the thing, Hunter. If you believe that God can bless you with a car, then the next question is, what kind of car? What year? What make? What model? <clears throat> That happened for me. When I, when I got my first car, <laughs> I remember when I got my driver's license in West Virginia could drive, somebody had given my parents this van and I am convinced this van was demon possessed. It was demon possessed. It was an old Aerostar van. The primary color was Bondo. I was driving it around West Virginia and literally I'd be driving, I'd be the only one in the car and all of a sudden the radio would just come on and start switching through all the different radio stations. Like I'm telling you the car had a demon. And so I started, I started uh, really taking care of this vehicle, even though it was in crap shape. I washed it every time I used it, shined the tires. I got filled it with gas. You know, I was being faithful over little so I could be ruler over much. And uh, it came time, I was believing for a car. I wanted a car. And back then, don't laugh at me, back then, uh, PT Cruisers had just come out. And I've for some reason at the time, thought they were the coolest car. I thought they were the coolest car. I liked the way they looked and I wanted that. Well, I started uh, asking the Lord, Lord, I want a PT Cruiser. (laughs) I want, my wife is yelling in the comments, they were never cool. They were cool, okay? I said, I want, Lord, a PT Cruiser. I thought they were cool. and I, and I wanted one that was blue. I want a very specific car. Back then, you know, you were the man if you had a, a, a CD player in your car. 
you know, because they were those were also new in cars. CD player in the car that was built into the car, not where you had like the tape that you had to put in to the thing with a wire that came out that connected to a disc man somewhere on your uh, console. Um, if it was built in. And so uh, there's a great divide in the comments right now. There's a lot of people for PT Cruisers. There's a lot of people against PT Cruiser. I thought so too, AJ. I thought I looked like Dick Tracy. Anyway, um, so I started confessing and all this. And I got back and the very thing, I, I think this was the, right after my first year of Bible school, um, I got back and we went to the dealership and the exact vehicle that I was believing for was right there. And when I first started asking, there's no way I would have been able to afford a car like that. I mean, you know, I was like 18 years old um, and, and, you know, had never had a job like that. I, there was no way. Well, I went to Bible school. God blessed me and got me um, a, an amazing job. I was blessed with a great job, started working, came back. The exact one that I wanted was right at the dealership where we went over to and I remember it was like Patriot Blue was the color. You can Google it. Patriot Blue, chrome rims, PT Cruiser, sitting there, CD player, and a sunroof. I don't hear anybody up in this comment section, but God was opening a door for his servant to have a PT Cruiser. And uh, I remember driving off the lot that day and thanking God that I didn't just say, Lord, just give me a car. Just give me. I didn't want just a car. I wanted a very specific car. I wanted a very specific car with a very specific color. I, everything I asked for, God blessed me with. God gave to me. I remember that happened again. You remember that, Carolyn? I was driving that Mercedes, but I said, no, I, I really like the, the Mercedes. I had like a C300. It was very small, and I was a youth pastor, and I was bringing kids home all the time, and they, bought, they dropped that new uh, Chrysler 300 that looked like a Bentley, and I thought, man, that thing is sick. And I like the Chrysler 300, but I started saying this. I can't remember what meeting I was in. I said, I'm getting ready to have a blacked out car. And I started saying it. Do you remember that, Carolyn? And I said, I'm going to have a black car with black grill and black windows and black rims. And the whole car is going to be blacked out. And I'm driving down the road, Virginia Beach. And I look up on the hill. They, the, the car dealership had put a, 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 a Chrysler 300 brand new up, up on the hill that somebody had already done the thing that I was confessing. I looked up there, there's the Chrysler 300, all, all black, blacked out grill, blacked out uh, 22 inch rims, blacked out rims, everything was blacked out on it. I was like, that's the exact thing I've been confessing. I drove, I immediately drove up there, told them that's my car, you've got my car on that hill. And I said, I'm taking it tonight, I'm leaving there with it. So you got to be specific, be specific, you know, Hunter, don't just say, I'm Lord, give me a car. No, if, if you're fine with anything, that's what you'll get anything, but be specific, be specific. God's always specific. God didn't just say, let's make a living being. He said, let's make man in our image and in our likeness. He had a specific vision for what he was going to create. And if you understand how <laughs> said, amazing taste in cars, thank you. Thank you. Um, but be specific, see, and, and you grow in your understanding hunter. So continue to be specific and God will give you specific answers. Amen. Number three, 
praying for things that aren't promised. So you have to understand, don't pray for things that you can't find in the word of God, things that aren't promised in the Bible. God does not honor things, but his word. The only thing he honors is his word. And if I can't find it in scripture, then I'm not, I'm not doing it. So here I am at this conference. I was telling you the story and this preacher gets up, tells a story about how there was a, um, a, a child in the hospital that had cancer and that he went in there and began to pray. And he said, I'm just going to be honest with you. One of the prayers that I prayed on that day was Lord, this little child has the rest of its life uh, ahead of it. I pray Lord, just transfer this cancer into my body. I mean that he literally stood at the table at the hospital table where that kid's laying and prayed, Lord, transfer this cancer into my body. There's no scripture you're going to stand on for that. First of all, that's straight up foolishness. I mean, I never understand people. It's like, let's work through this logically. If you've got enough faith to say, God, take that cancer out of that child's body and put it into my body. That's a supernatural thing in itself. So if you've got enough faith to ask for that, how about just go a step further and say, God, just remove the cancer from the child's body. Why does it have to go into your body? What a stupid prayer. What a stupid, stupid prayer. So, well, at least you can see the compassion. No, it's not compassion. It's stupidity. I mean, why would you do that? If you've got enough faith to ask for that, at least ask for just a total healing restoration. I mean, that's just dumb. God, what scripture are you standing on for that? What scripture are you standing on for that? It's just absolute foolishness. It's like people, you know, I laugh sometimes and I've started to just tell people because I'll go to revival services or I'll be in my own church and people come down uh, and I'll say, how many of you are believing for a miracle? You, you need God to do something supernatural in your life. Come to the altar. I'm going to lay hands on you. We're going to believe God's going to do it. People will come forward and sit at the altar, believing for a miracle with a mask on, with a mask on. It's like, have you not thought through this? Logically, what you're saying by coming down here is that you believe God's going to do a supernatural miracle for you, but you don't have enough faith to take the mask off and believe he can protect you from some virus that you think is in the air. It makes no sense. So I tell people flat out now, if you come down here with a mask, I'm not praying for you because it would be a pointless. It would be pointless for me to pray because if you don't even believe God can keep you without a mask on, then you can't believe for this greater miracle that we're believing for together. I'm not praying. I'm not going to do that. Why? Because of number four, because the fourth thing that keeps you from receiving answered prayer is doubt and unbelief. That's number four, doubt and unbelief. Put it in the comments. Doubt and unbelief. If you can't believe God to take the mask off in 2023, I refuse to wear masks. I only wore them when I, they, they forced me just so I can get to the meetings. On the plane, I had to wear it. And we'd get coffees and sit there and sip our coffees the entire plane. Somebody asked my wife, how long are you going to be drinking that coffee? She's like, till it's gone. I believe we may have been specifically responsible for airlines having to start saying, you have to lower your mask and raise it in between sips and in between bites. Because <laughs> when you come on with a venti Starbucks and slowly sip that thing for two and a half hours while the flight's in the air, 
<laughs> I'm just going to be honest with you. Carolyn and Tiffany almost sent me to jail in West Virginia one time. We're in the airport. Wasn't it West Virginia? You guys just laughing. Charleston, West Virginia. I, only went to, I almost went to jail because of Tiffany and Carolyn. And boy, were they hot. They were mad at us, man. Mad. They won't bother me. I mean, they were just freaking out. We're not going to let you on the flight. I was like, I'm getting on this flight. I am not being delayed on this flight. I am getting out of this place. <laughs> Doubt and unbelief. Doubt and unbelief. The Bible tells us very clearly that if we don't ask in faith, if we ask filled with doubt, or even if we're double-minded, the Bible says that type of a person is unstable in all their ways. This is James chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. James 1, verses 6 through 8. That type of person is unstable in all their ways. And then the Bible says, don't let that person think that they'll receive anything from the Lord. Not one thing. Let me read it to you. James 1, verses 6 through 8. But let that person ask in faith, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So get all doubt, get all unbelief out of your life. Get it out of your life. Say, I don't understand how to get doubt and unbelief out of my mind, out of my life. You want to know how? Listen to preaching and teaching. That's how you get it out. If you, uh, and I'll show you this, go back a few uh, uh, chapters that we were in Mark 11, back to Mark 6. Listen to this. Jesus goes to Nazareth and he goes there to perform miracles, but they're filled with doubt and unbelief. So he can't. He can do no mighty miracles there except for laying his hands on a few sick people and healing them. And he marveled because of their unbelief, but then look what his answer was. And he went about the villages teaching. There it is. He went, why was he doing that? Because as my father has preached for many, many years, teaching and preaching are the cure for unbelief. Teaching and preaching of God's word are the cure for unbelief. You should put that in the comments. Teaching and preaching are the cure for unbelief. And yes, they are. Teaching and preaching are the cure for unbelief. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing, by hearing, by hearing, by hearing. If you want to get rid of doubt and unbelief, listen and listen and listen and listen to preaching and teaching. Continually listen. Did you know Paul was preaching one time and the Bible says that there was a man who needed healing and Paul preached and taught until he saw that the man had faith to be healed. What was going on? Something was happening in Paul's service where through his teaching, through his preaching, the man gained faith to be healed because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Teaching and preaching are the cure for unbelief. And that's what Jesus did in Mark 6, 6. He went about the villages teaching and preaching. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Number five, 
Fifth thing that'll keep you from having your prayers answered. You ready? Put it in the comments. Pride. Pride will keep you from having your prayers answered. Very important to get pride far from your life. The best thing you could do is have humility and meekness as the main qualities of your life and personality. Humility and meekness. You say, what is the truest form of humility and meekness? Obedience to God's word. It's, it's basically me saying, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. That's meekness. I don't know the best for me. God knows the best for me. I don't know the best things to do. God knows the best things to do. That's humility. That's meekness. Say, no, I'm not the, I'm not the owner of my life, if you will. I'm not the boss of my life. God is. God is. He knows. He guides. He's the master. I'm the servant. He's the master. I'm the servant. And that's humility. That's meekness. Then you can receive. Then you can receive. Bible says in James chapter 4, verses 6 through 8. This is the New Living Translation. And God gives grace generously. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God and he'll come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. So notice that. The Bible says that he opposes the proud and gives more grace to the humble. I don't want God to oppose me in any way, shape, or form. I don't want to be God's opponent. I want him to show his favor to me. I want him to show his goodness to me not oppose me. I don't want God opposing me in any way. And so pride is a killer. That's why the Bible says in the book of Proverbs, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Amen. And so what these, I'm I'm dealing with things that keep your prayers unanswered. Why do your prayers remain unanswered? I'm giving you Bible reasons that keep prayers from being answered. Let me give you number, number six. This is the final one. I told you stick around to the end because here's one that almost nobody talks about. I, I mean, you hear all kinds of teaching on prayer. You hear, you read books on prayer and almost nobody. I'm trying to think back over my life, listening to preaching and teaching And this scripture, nobody reads it. Nobody teaches from it. I'm back in 1 Peter 3. Back in 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, I'm going to read to you verse number 7. That's right, Mike Frost. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Look at that. 
so that your prayers may not be hindered. Husbands have to treat their wives right. Amen. The Bible's very clear. In an understanding way, showing honor to the woman. Do you honor your wife? Do you show understanding? They are co-heirs with you in the grace of life so that, isn't that an interesting thing that Peter threw that in? So that your prayers will not be hindered. Powerful. Julie said, I am very aware of that scripture. (laughs) I am sending that to John every single day. (laughs) I'm very aware. Yes, we should be aware. And remember, it's reciprocal. I know the Bible's, the Bible teaches that the husband is the head of the home and the husband's the head of the wife. He's not just the head of the home. The Bible said the husband is the head of the wife. Christina said, that's a good test on a boyfriend who might be potential husband material. Have you had your prayers answered lately? (laughs) Notice that. Treat your wife that way. Why? Well, first of all, the husband is a representative of Christ and the wife is a representative of the church. Ephesians tells us that. And then the Bible tells us in Ephesians, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church, giving himself for her. So what does that mean? Selfless love, a giving of yourself for your wife. But then what does the wife do? Submit yourself to your husband. Submit yourself to your husband. That's the Bible way. That's the Bible way. Submit yourself to your husband. Husbands, love your wife. I'll tell you something too that's really interesting. These two commands are not codependent. You say, what do you mean by that? You can't say, I'll start submitting uh, to him when he starts loving me like Christ loved the church. No, because the commands are not codependent. They're independent commands to independent people, individuals, right? It's not codependent. Well, I'll start, I'll start loving her like Christ loved the church when she starts submitting to me. No, it doesn't work like that. The wife will be judged on what she does independently of how the husband is judged upon what he does. Number six is treat your spouse right, Nancy. First Peter 3.12, treat your spouse, or 3.7. The Bible says very clearly, that we've got to show honor and live in understanding. Now notice, when I say they're not codependent, the husband is required to love his wife as Christ loved the church, whether or not she is being submissive, whether or not she's even saved. Erica, that's very true, very true. She said, oh, the blessings that come from learning to submit under the authority that's been placed over us. Very true, very, very true. And that that command that each of us get, the husband is gonna be judged on whether or not, you can't say, well, when she starts submitting or when she starts, or when she gets saved and starts living for the Lord, no. Do you ever think about the thing that, uh, the, the fact that that may be the thing that brings your spouse to the Lord? That's what happened with Smith Wigglesworth. We all like to talk about how powerful his ministry was, but if you read his life story, you'll find out that his wife got saved before he did. 
and he, she came home, and she was all excited about her salvation, he threw her out of the house, locked her out of the house. I mean, literally ejected her from the home and locked the door. And the next morning, when he went to open the door to get the new newspaper, opened it up, she had stayed right there on the stoop, came in the house and got his breakfast ready for him. He couldn't believe, he could not believe what, what had happened to his wife. And of course, you know the story eventually. He was saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, and then God used him to have a world-shaking ministry. Raised 14 people from the dead. Think about that. Some out of caskets raised 14 people from the dead. And so remember something. The Bible, you have to, again, we're interpreting scripture, scripture with Scripture. What does it say about the husband-wife relationship? Well, yes, of course the husband's the head of the home. Of course he's the head of the wife. But in fact, I will tell you this, the Bible also teaches that your bodies belong to one another. So you're in a covenant. But Ephesians tells us that the husband is to love the wife as Christ loved the church. That's a selfless love, giving themselves for the other. But the wife is to submit themselves to the husband, both of us being judged on our obedience to God's word. So what does that mean? If we're both judged on our independent command from God, that means that we can both be blessed by our independent obedience to God's command. Say, so what do you mean by that? Even if my husband right now, you might be a wife listening to me, even if my husband right now is not loving me like Christ loved the church, I can still submit myself unto him the way that God told me to and be blessed for my obedience. But if you're the husband, my wife right now, she's not serving the Lord or she's not submitting to me like the Bible says she should submit in the marriage relationship, but you still love her like Christ loved the church and you get blessed because you're being obedient to the word of God. Amen. Independent commands with independent expectations. And so we do it whether we feel like doing it or not. We do it whether we feel like doing it or not. And as a result, the blessing of God flows because of our obedience and our prayers will not be hindered. Our prayers will not be hindered. Well, there's no question about that. There's no question about that. In fact, if you do it, John Napier says, for the men, it's much easier for the wife to submit when she's loved and served. You, you better believe that's right. But of course, if you know, that's God's way. That's God's way. And Deb Wagler says, I had a husband who didn't let me go to church. I went anyway. I believe I was right to do so. You are. Because let me say this. Because the caveat here is that your husband is never higher than God. So, and he's never higher than God's word. So the question becomes this. Well, what do I do as a wife if my husband's unsaved and he, does, and he wants me to do sinful things, you know, or, or continue in the life that we used to live and I don't live that way anymore. You don't submit to your husband's uh, commands to do something that contradicts God's word because number one, you have to please God first. And so unless the thing that your husband is asking you to do is a sin, you should submit to your husband. Deb said, he is today totally transformed. Praise God for that. Yeah, we don't follow anyone into sin. 
So unless the thing your husband is telling you to do is sinful, you should submit to your husband. Amen. And be the wife that God created you to be. And husbands, be the man, be the husband, be the father God created you to be. And watch what will happen. There's blessings that flow from that. There's blessings that flow. And so what am I encouraging you? There's very specific but clear things that the Bible teaches. If you just, and I today I gave you six. If you just get these things uh, right, blessings to prayers begin to flow. Answers begin to flow. In fact, Jesus said this, Gospel of John. He said, ask and you will receive for what purpose? That your joy may be full. Hallelujah. Ask. I'm going to read it to you. It's John 16, verse 24. John 16, 24. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. That's Jesus. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. May be full. Julie said, if the husband doesn't lead and leaves it to you to do it, what do you do? You do everything you can do to be a blessing to your home. To be a blessing to your home. Even in that, he's leading by leaving things for you to do. Just because my wife does a lot of things doesn't mean I'm not leading the home. It just means that I'm depending on her to do a lot of things. And you do it together. But that doesn't mean he's not leading. He's leading in that. He's saying, this is what I am you know, surrendering to you to do. And that's fine too. You don't have, to, as the husband, you don't have to do every single thing in order to be the leader. Well, I'm the leader. I do all the finances. I'm the leader. I book all the travel. I'm the leader. I decide where we eat. I'm the leader. I, you don't have to do all those things to be the leader. There are things that you can delegate. There are things that you can give as the leader and say, look, you know, you, you do those. Things. I trust you to do those things. And there's a lot of things that I trust Carolyn to do that I don't do. I just don't do those things. We can't do everything, but we discover within that relationship where we fall, what we're going to do. I fall into this category. I do this. He does that. She does this. And that's fine. The key is when it comes down to when he makes a decision, the family follows after the decision that the husband's making. There's no two heads of anything. Anything with more than one head's a monster. Anything with more than one head's a monster. Father, I'm praying for your people today. That as they heard your word, as they continue to study and learn, I thank you, Lord, that today changes are being made. Things that have been held up for a long time are quickly coming to pass. They're quickly coming to pass in Jesus' name. I thank you that their prayers are going to be quickly answered. Father, your desire is to answer prayers so that our joy would be made full. I pray that July through December would be a reaping season for your people in Jesus' name. Let our prayers be expedited. Our answers are coming back quickly in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We will have breakthrough after breakthrough, answered prayer after answered prayer. I thank you, Lord, and give you praise for what's quickly coming to pass for your people in Jesus' mighty name. I give you all the glory ahead of time. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.